Hey, Emily, you know, so many people talk about how relationships are a lot of work. Yeah, I've heard that one a lot. Well, you know, you and I are so crazy about each other that it never feels like work to get along with you and make things work between us. Maybe that whole concept of relationships being work is just a myth, huh? Wow, you know, you're right. We just get along so well that it always seems like playtime, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Well, you know, on that note, could you take the trash out? And the grass is getting a little bit long out there, you know. And, oh, can you run to the store for me? I just ran out of maxi pads. Huh. <laughs> me and my big mouth. Hey, would you get me a beer? The game's coming on. Mysterious, mist and shrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast, with your hosts, Scott and Emily. Well, here we are again, episode number 46 of X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast. My name is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. And well, Emily, you know. What we're going to talk about today is something we've been kicking around for about a month or so, and it occurred to us that we should just go ahead and do an X and Y on the Fly podcast about it. That's right. What we're going to talk about today, y'all, is whether relationships really are, quote unquote, hard work or not. And you know, Emily, this is like a huge meme, huge stereotype that just gets repeated over and over regarding relationships. Well, you know, relationships are hard work. A marriage is... You know, it involves a lot of effort between people in order to keep it together. You know what? What does that mean? And second of all, is it even really true? Is it fun work, hard work, miserable work? What all does that entail? Because if you think about it, you can go to work and hate your job. Absolutely. You can also do the same type of work in as far as putting your effort into hobbies. For example, golf. Right. You can put a lot of work in trying to get better at it and truly enjoy it. So... Let's talk about how work relates to making a relationship successful. You mean your job? How your real job relates to your relationship, quote-unquote, job? No, that's just as a metaphor as to, you know, when you're working at a relationship, are you working in such a way that you're miserable? Or is the work that you're putting into your relationship enjoyable, just like your golf game or working at making it better? Is that enjoyable? Yeah, okay. Well, that's where I thought you were going to go with that. And that makes perfect sense. And we can talk about that. But I think the other point's also good, too. Absolutely. You know, if you hate your job, will you hate your wife when you get home? Will you hate your girlfriend? Will you just hate life in general and want a change or want to carry your work over when you come home? Right. And sometimes it's just a matter of changing your thinking or doing things differently to change the dynamics from miserable to happy. Absolutely. But getting back to where you were going with this before I hijacked your thought so rudely. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, if you work in a coal mine, you know, you may not like your job. If you do this same rote thing over and over all the time at a factory or something, you know, you may not be able to wait till five o'clock rolls around. If you work in a cubicle, whatever it is, if you don't like your job, you don't like your job. Right. But if you're a professional golfer or a professional surfer or a dating coach like you or me, well, then you probably like your job. So could it be as simple as 
do I like this person I'm in the relationship with? Because if I like the person I'm in the relationship with, instead of settling for that person, well, then it's not going to feel like work to stay with them. If I don't really want to be there anyway, then yeah, it may feel like arduous, hard work to stay in that relationship when, you know, maybe I shouldn't even be staying in this relationship at all if it feels like work. True. Or it could be someone you really like and you get along great, but there's a few little quirks that the both of you need to fix in order for both of you to enjoy it. Now, that's fair because that might take work to figure out what those quirks are. It may take work to have the relational talk or to deal with it in whatever way you're going to deal with it to make sure those quirks don't start negatively affecting the other person or keep on affecting the other person negatively. That's right. So let's talk about that. What are some of those things that would affect a relationship's happiness? What would affect the fact that something would feel like drudgery when it comes to working at it versus something you really want to do for each other? Well, interestingly enough, let's go back to the point that I was making earlier when I thought you were making another point, which was the point I was actually making, if that makes sense. What if you are just absolutely in a dead-end job or you hate your job and meanwhile your significant other likes their job or stays at home, you know, keeping house or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you hate your job and you come home with all that stress, it could be work to have to relate after you get home because one person's going to have one mindset and the other person's going to have a completely different mindset. Correct. That's true. Matter of fact, the best solution for that is when your partner or husband comes home, let them decompress. Let them have some time to reassess coming home and just changing the environment just to have a downtime downtime just to have like a shot of scotch and relax (laughs) anything you know yeah ladies especially don't hit guys with stuff as soon as they walk in the door after work and by the way if you're going on dates right after work first of all i don't recommend it if it's a first or second date but man when you see someone at your best absolutely and when you see someone right after work you're going to be seeing as bad as they get Yes. You're going to get to see them at their worst. Whether that's a positive or a negative thing, I don't know. But it's probably not a positive thing for a first date. No, no. First dates, no. Second dates, probably not. But when you get several dates into it, it's probably not a bad idea to see them at their worst. Not a bad strategy to schedule something right after work. (laughs) Just to see. Yeah. How are we going to get along when you're not in a good mood? Right. Kind of the mini version of our windshield time strategy where you take someone on a driveway vacation that involves like 1,200 miles over the course of a weekend just to see what they're really like. Right. Yeah. That might be a good little silver bullet there for people listening. But as far as the work goes, I mean, who's working there? Do you have to work as the person who doesn't like their job when you get home to decompress as quickly as possible so it's easier on the other person? Or is it work for the other person just to clam up until (laughs) significant other decompresses? (laughs) Which is it or both? Uh, Probably both because from a woman's aspect, we have so much we want to share. We want to talk about the kids and all that has happened. And sometimes we've gone through a lot during the day that we really want to unload all that's happened and being anxious to do so and having to wait is very difficult. Yeah, that's work. That is definitely work. Such arduous, back-breaking, heavy lifting. All right, well, I think you got a good point. So what about some other things? For example, when you have two people together and they move in together and this relationship kicks into high gear and it looks like something long-term, two people create more messes than one person does. True. The other night we were watching the great movie with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon <laughs> that I never realized was as funny as it really is, The Odd Couple. Well, what's funny about it, they take what is actually normal 
right. and just put it to extremes. You right. will always have one person who's a little bit more neat or more so neat and someone who's not so much so. Yes, and of course, Felix and Oscar are extremes of that. And that's where the hilarity ensues. But, you know, even in a relationship, someone's going to want to do the laundry. Someone's going to be a better cook. Someone's going to want the house a little neater. Someone's going to be peeved at the other person's making messes. And it might be work, at least emotionally so, to find that middle ground. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking a lot of this work based on relationships. It's mental. It's mental. It's emotional. It's not like heavy lifting. Right. Well, it could be something as simple as he comes home leaves his shoes laying about everywhere, wherever he happened to take them off. And it drives you nuts. Well, that's very simple. I mean, that's a matter of you getting along and accommodating each other. Accommodating each other is work if you're used to doing something else. And frankly, you would like doing something else. Right. But it may be something that's not going to change because it may have been a habit from when he was a child. And it's just... Not going to change. Look, when you're crazy in love with each other, you find out ahead of time whether you're compatible or not. Mm -hmm. If you're going to make excuses for certain things before you get in a long-term relationship and are living with each other, you're going to have to keep on making that exception after you're together. You can't just drop the whammy on them later and say, yeah, I was only kidding. I really can't stand that. You do have to change it. (laughs) You're going to have to put the shoes where they belong. Yeah. Otherwise, the mental work is going to have to be figuring out how to go back and reverse engineer all that. Quote, unquote, getting along when you didn't. Or learning to relax and accept the shoes being where they are and being okay with it. Which could be work if you really hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a vicious cycle, isn't it? Right. Wow. Well, yeah, but what about the person who's the good cook? The other person's not such a good cook. All of a sudden, the onus is going to be on them to cook for two and make something the other person's going to like, too. And that could be more physical work for that person. Right, especially if they tend to not like the same stuff. Well, I think in terms of actual day-to-day stuff, yes, I agree that there needs to be a balance in terms of who does what. I don't think both spouses or both partners should go to work all day and come home and then the woman do all the cooking and cleaning. That's no good. Right. Now, if you have a situation where someone stays at home and takes care of all that stuff, where the other person goes out and basically wins the bread, so be it. Right. Well, that's called working together to make a family or household work. Where someone's apathetic, though, it's going to be a lot of extra physical, arduous labor for the other person as long as they put up with it. Right. That's a very real thing. But I don't know if that's what people mean when they say, hey, relationships are hard work, is I have to do more laundry. I don't know if that's what they meant. I think they are talking about the mental, emotional pieces of it. But I'm telling you, you and I... We don't think of what we do on a day-to-day and relating to each other as work, I think, because we not only like each other, but because we like our life together. We've made good decisions in terms of how we've structured things. And I think that can make a huge difference in terms of whether this feels like work as a relationship or not. Right. Well, that we do so much for each other. Right. A lot of what I do for you is because I want to and to create peace. and. Vice versa, I know that you do the same for me in return. And I think sometimes people get wrapped up in their daily lives and they fail to see that it's all about themselves. I hate that you put your shoes there. You're going to have to put them where they belong. Or, you know, I like putting my shoes. I'm Damn it, I'm going to put them there if I feel like it and you're going to have to put up with it. That's the first time in the history of any podcasting we've ever done you've cursed. <laughs> Brilliant. High five. <laughs> you're right. But... If both people were looking at each other's interests or trying to look at each other's perspective of things, they would probably go, okay, 
I see that the shoes bother you. Tell you what, what if I put them over here when I come home? It's not exactly where you want them, but at least it's doable. You know, can we compromise here? You know, I think you've just hit on a massive point. Maybe the linchpin of this entire concept we're talking about in this podcast. Okay? And that's that selfish people find it work to accommodate another person in their life. Right, because the attention is not about them. Right. It's all about them, not the other person. That's what you mean. Correct. Yeah. So in other words, let's say I just want to do things the way I want them done. I want things arranged. I want the schedule. I want the food, the laundry, what I wear, what we do, what happens around here, what's on the television. I want it all my way or the highway. Right. Two people doing that. We're talking about some miserable work. Oh, yes. The miserable work is feeling like you have to accommodate this other person and give up what you want. And okay, I'm going to make this huge effort to give this other person a chance to enjoy what they want, even though I'm miserable whenever this person does that. Look, I'm telling you, it's heavy lifting. It's hard work because you're just not ready to have another person in your life. Now, a lot of people, you know, they get set in their ways as they get a little bit older right? They're divorced and they decided, you know, hey, you know what? This isn't so bad. I get to have cold pizza for breakfast, yada, yada, right? Well, in order to have this person in your life and to combat loneliness or to be a team or to have someone to share with, to make babies with, to grow old with, whatever, they're going to have to stop living as a single human being. That may seem like work if you're selfish and you're all about your own thing. Correct. Because you feel like you're giving up yourself and the whole world just for this person you may not totally be in love with. Because if you were in love with them, you'd want to make those changes. You know, I think kind of a huge indicator of what real love really looks like is you do want to live a partnership with this person instead of trying to hold on to your singleness. Right. If you're trying to hold on to your singleness, something's wrong with the dynamics of the actual relationship or something's wrong with the way you went about picking the person that you picked. And it's not like necessarily, I wish I could go out and date and have sex with other people, not just this person I'm with. I'm talking about daily life, like we're talking about right here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The routine of ins and outs and getting up, going to work, coming home, cooking, cleaning, going to bed and starting over again. Yeah, if the ins and outs of your relationship start feeling like work, it's time to go see a different professional than us. (laughs) That too, I guess. You know, but seriously, we talk all the time around here in the dating context, not just in the relationship context, but seriously, we talk about deserving what you want. And the reason why that sounds like such an incredibly original concept to people is because most dating advice points people towards getting what they want. Here's how you get exactly what you want from women. Or here's how you get guys to commit to you sooner than they want to. Here's how you trick them into getting married to you. Right. Tricks and tips and tactics. Here's how you get another human being to fall for stuff you would never fall for. It's all designed to help people get what they want. And unfortunately, those are the hot buttons that sell. Right. and But it doesn't take into consideration the other person's feelings. And in the end, they end up together just to discover it's not going to work out. Meanwhile, if you represent two members of the opposite sex, or motos as we like to call them, then you become more naturally attractive to people you're more attracted to. When you display the qualities that they'd be attracted to. Right. So because you're attracted to another person and you're ready to be more of a giver than a taker, you are therefore more ready to be in a a, great relationship. A great relationship. 
And therefore, it's going to feel like less work because you're already in a giving mode. And then you'll deserve what you want. You'll get another person who matches up with you. And they will want to give you what you want because you're generous to them. Therefore, you have a two-way partnership where people are basically more interested in the other person's best interest than just trying to get what they want. And how refreshing when you have a partner like that because you can feel safe, you can be secure, and you know that that person's there to take care of you. It doesn't feel like work. I'm telling you, Emily does things for me all day long that are wonderful. I don't even have to ask for them. I don't have to even think about whether they're done or not. And that, ironically enough, saves me from having to do the work associated with doing all those things myself if those are things I need done in my life, even though for her, she gladly does it or maybe even enjoys doing it more than I do. And therefore, if I kind of carry my own weight and do things that I like to do, you know, like all my work associated with the business or whatever, or like, I like to go grocery shopping. I like to put away groceries. I think it's fun. <laughs> you don't like it. Uh, yes. True. I do that. It saves you work. But you hate doing the bathrooms and I take care of the bathrooms. Right. Exactly. And I'm not sure you like doing the bathrooms. You just do a better, quicker job at it than I do. Oh, no one does it better than me. Well, that too. <laughs> but you are also faster at it. So even if it is work, it's less work for you than it would be for me. Right, so it's harmonious. Yes, absolutely. So things add up, and we're not trying to get what we want. We're trying to just help this world spin a little bit more fluidly. And it happens naturally because we like each other, we like each other's company, and because we feel positive emotion towards each other, we feel positive emotion towards enhancing each other's life, which makes the whole thing feel even less like work. Well, here's a great word. It's a partnership. And together... We are working with the same goal of making it successful. So we're both sharing and doing what we can on our part to make things easier for both of us. Wow. Boy, did you just say a mouthful. (laughs) Can you imagine when there's someone in the relationship who's trying to sabotage the relationship even because they don't feel like they deserve to be happy or because they secretly can't stand the other person and wish the other person would just break up with them but they don't have the guts to? When all those politics start playing out... And all that dysfunction starts playing out, boy, it can start feeling like work all over again. And what a waste of life to spend years and years going through that just to end up with the end result where you end up breaking up. Exactly. And even if you find yourself in that situation, there's things that can be done to change it and make it better. Like what? Well, first of all, we can't change the other person, but you certainly can change yourselves. Absolutely. What are we doing personally to irritate to agitate this relationship that we ourselves can stop and start contributing good things towards it because when people do things that are good for you you start to think about hey you know that was really kind of you you know i kind of like that i like you doing that for me so i think i'd start doing a few things in return isn't that interesting in other words what follows logically from what you're saying is if I deserve what I want and I'm trying to make my life such that I'm helping this other person enjoy their life more, I will actually have less work to do on my own side because that person will want to do things for me. Meanwhile, if I'm trying to make that person's life miserable on the other side of the relationship, it's going to bounce right back. All I'm doing is creating more work for myself because they're going to want to do less. They're going to actually set up roadblocks to my happiness. It's going to be mutual sabotage. 
plus it's work to sabotage it to begin with. Yes, so all this energy being spent on making the other person miserable is only going to cause the other person to want to make you more miserable, causing you to have to rebuild what's been torn down. Man, <laughs> I, I'm getting tired just thinking about that. Well, we've heard the expression, well, I'm going to make him pay. Oh. I'm going to make her suffer for it. Oh, man. <laughs> and you know what? You see that on television. You see it on TV shows. Man, I'm going to make my husband pay for this. Well, it's uncommon. She's not going to live time. this down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We see this as if it's normative. We see this as if it's what people do when they're in relationships is make each other miserable. Right. It's horrible. But when you're in a happy, good, healthy relationship, it really doesn't feel like work at all. No. I don't no. feel like we have to work at this relationship. It happens naturally. You know, it's funny because this whole podcast is turning out way different than I thought. I thought we were going to basically give this big manifesto on what a big myth it is that relationships are so much work and how they really don't have to be. I really don't think they have to be, but I do think the more we delve into this conversation, it really is work for most people out there. And that's a shame. Right. The way I see it is everybody really does have to work at a relationship. The question is, is it enjoyable? And for that matter, is it enjoyable to the point where it doesn't feel like work? You know, it's the same thing. Like we teach guys, you know, men and women, both. We've had some women come to us for this kind of training also. Not only dating coaching stuff, but now that we built a pretty successful business and we both successfully fired the boss, we have people coming to us wanting to do the same thing with their lives. They're wanting to quit this rat race of a job that they can't stand working for the man somewhere else and go into business for themselves, doing what makes their heart sing, doing something that gives back to the world and gives them purpose, whether that be you know online marketing or something else. We help them with that. And it is absolutely amazing how much that kind of advice has in common with relationship advice. Yes, it's kind of strange. It all works hand in hand, doesn't it? Absolutely. If you feel like your job is work, you're not going to enjoy it as much. You're not going to deem it as much of a success in your life. No, when you come home, you bring it with you. Absolutely. And you're miserable. And you make your friends miserable, and it just starts piling on and has a domino effect. Right. Your cause, whole life. The cause and effect. Yes. It's amazing to me on the other side, though, you know, when people settle for people they don't want because they feel like they don't have a lot of options. Or they got tricked into it. Or they got tricked into it. It starts feeling like work. They're miserable. Therefore, man, how am I going to stay in this relationship now that I'm committed, now that she's pregnant, now that we've bought a house together, even though we hate each other? How much hard work is it going to be for us to have to stay together? Because they dug that hole and they jumped into it together. Especially if he's looking at other women going, Oh, my goodness. You know, if I was single, you know, I could actually approach those options. Or she may be thinking the same thing when she sees this hot hunk going, oh, my goodness, he has so much better of a lifestyle. He could give me so much more than what I got now. And now I'm stuck. Man, that's exactly how women's mind works, too. Guys are looking at expanding their options and having more women and getting something on the side. And women are looking at trading up. Man, that guy (laughs) is better than my guy. You know what's really hard work for a guy to hear from a woman? What's that? It's probably the worst thing a woman can say to her husband. How come you can't be like him? Bingo. (laughs) You read my mind. How come you can't be like so-and-so's boyfriend or husband? Man, that's just a kiss of death. That's horrible. It makes guys cringe. Well, same thing with men when men wish their women look like a different woman. Exactly. You know, how come you don't have her body? Or how come you don't do your hands and toes the way she does? Well, gee, because I don't have the funds that you give me to be able to do so. Well, whatever it is, you know, that kind of comparison is just odious. It's terrible. (laughs) But yeah, it makes the relationship harder work if you feel like you're settling. Just like a job is harder work if you don't like it. 
you're not going to be feeling like this is fun and not arduous labor if you're stuck in a relationship with someone you don't like. I mean, that's it. That's all there is to it. That hits the nail on the head. But, you know, this whole idea of deserving what you want, yes, if you want to change jobs, you kind of have to put your ducks in order to make sure that you're going to be able to not just be an entrepreneur, but that you're ready for all the challenges, including getting health insurance on your own, paying your social security taxes by yourself. Going to college to improve yourself, any number of things. Anything like that. Anything that's going to improve you is going to involve work. But you'll get more of what you want in return if you're willing to do that sort of thing. Same goes for our dating lives and for our relationships. But you know what might make it also even more work is people don't do anything to get better at it. I mean, we just wing it. Relationships are something men and women usually just wing. We'll go to college. We'll go to cooking classes. We'll go to salsa dancing classes, for gosh sakes. But when it comes to dating, we're like, oh, I'll just go out and meet somebody. Right. I'm It'll sure someone happen. will come along. Yeah. Right. I'll stay in the basement playing Nintendo. I'm sure Cindy Crawford would come right through my door wanting to take me away from living in my mom's basement. Cindy Crawford, huh? Anybody. Anybody. Anybody better <laughs> Any than gorgeous nobody. gorgeous woman. Right. Well, that's where you get the mentality of when the first person comes along who accept me... I'll take them. Right, because that's better than nothing. Right, and when it's better than nothing, all of a sudden you get roped into a relationship with them, get married to them, whatever we've been talking about. Then you realize, uh uh-oh, this is work. (laughs) Serious work. But here's the irony. It's not work for everyone who's been in a relationship. At least it doesn't feel like work. If it feels like work to you, you're in the wrong relationship. That's right. Something hasn't been done right. But you know what's funny about that? If you're in the wrong relationship, and I get so many letters from ladies that the guys that they're talking about are completely wrong for them, and let alone completely wrong for every woman on this planet. Yeah, they're not ready to be in a relationship. Right. Period. And so it takes more work to have to break up and start all over again that we just sometimes just decide to put up with it. Is it really more work to start all over again? I've known people who were reticent to break off wrong relationships after a year, year and a half, because they didn't want to quote-unquote start all over. But once they finally bit the bullet, jumped off the ledge, and cut off ties with that other person, the very next time they go out with someone, they click with that person better, and it was like a week later. And they've forgotten about the other person. It happens. Right. Oh my gosh, I dread starting all over again if I break up with this person. Man, is that the battle cry of a serial dater. If you're online and you're meeting several people, you will figure out if you're the type of person who deserves what they want. If you're this big four man or woman, like I talk about all the time, right? Right. And, you know, it's the same for men and women. You're confident. You believe in your own competence, right? In other words, I think I'm pretty good. Therefore, other people will think I'm pretty good. Right. Right. I got character. I got character. In other words, I do what I say I'm going to do. My cornerstone belief system is there. People can rely on me, depend on me. What you see is what you get in terms of who I am at my core. I'm masculine or I'm feminine as appropriate. That's what creates sexual polarity and turns the other gender on. That's just the way it is. And safety. And safety. When a guy knows he's not going to be humiliated by a woman that he's dating. Embarrassing him in public by creating a scene or by cuckolding him or Or, even flirting with the waiter. Right. Or for that matter, he can feel safe when he knows that she'll be there to support him in his decisions, in his dreams. In his ambition. That's right. Meanwhile, the guy makes her feel safe. Literally, he makes a safe environment. He can handle any situation when the chips are down. He's a provider. He's good to the kids, et cetera, et cetera. 
we're attracted to people like that. Right. So when you're that person and you are going on dates with people you met online, you know, first meetings as I call them, not really dates yet, just coffee evaluation sessions, right? You realize, hey, you know what? I can attract someone. I have several people I've met in the last couple of weeks who I kind of like. I could go out with them. Then you're not as likely now or in the future to get so hung up on this person and who actually liked you to work. and try to force the square peg in the round hole. Right. Exactly. I just said a magic word. Kids. Kids. Do relationships become more work when kids come along? Or is it the kids that are the work? Is it parenthood is work and the relationship doesn't feel like work, but parenthood is always going to feel like work? Or is that really synonymous? Is parenthood part of relationship work? Wow, that's a really good question. I would say that when kids come along, it is absolutely more work, both from the aspect of taking care of the kids, because you're devoting a lot of time, a lot of energy to that. But it's also a lot of work to kind of balance everything and spend time with your spouse or with your long-term partner because you're not having the time that you need or that you're used to having together. So there's a lot of stress going on, especially when you're, there's sleepless nights when there's a baby around. Both partners are going to be extremely exhausted, which aka tired and cranky. And sexless. <laughs> that too. Potentially. Potentially, especially if the baby's in the same room. And mm. usually the first six months they are. Need to be, yeah. And so, yeah, that adds a huge stress to a relationship, no doubt. I don't care how healthy a relationship is, it will suffer some stress during that time of change. And that's when you need it to be really healthy before children come along. Absolutely. An unhealthy relationship will be exacerbated when kids come along. Man, how many couples say, hey, you know, we're not getting along. Things aren't going well. You know what we need to do? We need to have, have a baby. baby. Oh, <laughs> That's or the have our death first of baby. a relationship. Get a dog. See if that helps you out first. You know, don't put this on another human being just yet. Right. They and don't deserve it. It's not the child's responsibility to be fault. your counselor and make it work. <laughs> <laughs> They're too little. They're just there laying there crying. Right. And it's not that little kid's fault, you know, that you have a terrible relationship. You know, why, why impose that on a child? Jeez. That's a lot of pressure for a little one. Yeah, but you know, you hit the nail on the head. You're right once again, my lovely wife. Thank you. When you have a child, there is a lot of real, actual labor involved. That little child, or God help you if it's twins. <laughs> I talked to a lady yesterday who had twins. That's a lot of work. That's backbreaking. I, I think I'd rather go to the coal mine at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Who knows? I haven't been to either one of them yet, so I wouldn't know. Well, I have relatives who are in the coal mine, and that was their passion. They have twins? Uh, no. Well, they won't know either. No, they don't know either. All I'm saying, though, <laughs> the point here is that when you have kids, that little child is dependent on you for everything, including stuff that you have to do for that kid. Diapers, feeding, buying more clothes, feeding, waking changing, up in the middle cleaning, of the night. waking up in the middle of the night. Especially when they get sick and they're throwing up over everything. Oh, the cleanup. And what that does is it imposes this stress, like you said. I think one of the interesting things is you're kind of making work and stress interrelated. When it feels like work, that's going to be stressful. And I think you're actually onto something there. Well, they come together. You can't separate right. the two. Absolutely. Work you don't like equals stress in many, many ways. Absolutely. Right. So what you've got going on is this added amount of work 
which is stressful work mm-hmm. because that little child, I mean, you know, if it's crying in the middle of the night and you think it's sick and it's got a temperature, you freak out. And you're up all night, then you go to work the next day. And oh, let's put it this way. Anytime you're tired and cranky and you get two people who are tired and cranky, That's you're, work. you're at your worst. <laughs> right. You, know? you have to work on not, you know, tearing each other's throats out. Yeah, that's when you have to take a breath and go, okay, I'm probably tired and cranky and I'm going to have to work at trying to behave myself. And you, you know, make no mistake. Okay, two people can have hearts of gold, and this will be the case. Yes. Two decent people will have this happen. Well, we're imperfect. Right, exactly. So what happens is the child comes along, more work, more stress caused by the child. Right. It's not the child's fault. It just is what it is, right? We don't want to blame the kid for it. (laughs) But then what happens is then it's more work to find the time to be relating to each other as man and woman. Right. Then that starts to feel like work it can kind of creep in that way, even if it didn't feel that way in the past. Then you get at each other's throats, and then you look at each other and go, what happened? We used to like each other. Right. You changed. So the work, ironically enough, is to keep oneself, to protect oneself, to guard oneself from that happening when you have the kids come into your life. That's right. You That's to, the first line. You have to watch yourself make sure that you're still one half of a great relationship. Yep. You know, I think another thing that we should touch on, and this may be the way to end this podcast, a nice subject to end the podcast on. I think everybody's familiar with the movie The Notebook. Oh, I love that movie. Well, the beautiful thing about The Notebook is here are two people who grew old together in love. But, you know, as one person grew older, that person grew dependent on the other person to do the work required to maintain that person's health or to take care of them. You know, you may talk about relationships being work, but you know, if it doesn't feel like work now and you just love each other and you're crazy about each other, what you may be doing is storing up all that good juju for later when one partner is going to have to take care of the other one. Right. And And that will be work. That's right. And the potential of that happening is pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Pretty high. Because a lot of people, when we get old, a lot of things happen to us that we truly need someone to take care of us. And hopefully, if life goes the way we plan it and work at it to become the way we want it to be, we'll have that special someone to be there for us, to take care of us, make sure that we're perfectly okay till the end. And it will be work for the other person, but it'll be a labor of love. A lot of labor of love. But it's a lot of labor. Oh, yes. Now, I think that's a very poignant issue. And I don't think people even think like that when they're walking down the aisle all crazy in love with each other and wanting to go make babies like rabbits and stuff when they're young. And of course, you know, that's another point of that movie is it shows them when they're young wanting to make babies like rabbits and then kind of flashes back to when they're older and you don't even realize it's that couple till the end. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, just one example and absolutely a chick flick. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, don't worry. Some chick will make you watch it. Watch it and watch it for the interesting reasons that I'm talking about, not necessarily because it's just such a tearjerker. But a good example it is nonetheless. I think we all have either aging parents or grandparents that we've seen this happen a little bit with. Right. You know, my grandparents on my mother's side, you know, my grandpa got a little bit uh, forgetful when he was older and my grandma had to take care of him. But she was devoted to him. And so even after he was gone, she still misses him. Right. Well, that's because they had a great relationship that they didn't feel like was work while they were, you know, healthy together. They made the investment in that good relationship and yeah, involved some work later. Right. And it was real work. You know, it's funny. That work can be something really small, too. Right. For example, bringing each other coffee when they didn't ask for it. Before you get sick, when things are doing well between the two of you, or even if they're not doing well between the two of you, 
starting to do things for each other. It could be just little stuff here and there. Well, I think we've had an excellent conversation. You know, I think this has taken some twists and turns we may not have expected until we actually found ourselves talking about it. But man, that's what makes this podcast fun. I think that's why people like to listen to it is because it seems like we sort of learn from each other and we figure things out as we talk it out. And sometimes it's pretty much terra incognito. <laughs> people haven't really talked about what we talked about before. So um, those of you listening, hope you enjoyed the podcast. I want to share a couple things with you. Uh, hopefully it won't be too much work to listen to this. First of all, if you haven't ever visited our website. It's www.deservewhatyouwant.com. Both men and women are welcome to find help from us in the form of these podcasts. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter and get you a free report on the spot. I'll send it right to your email inbox. It's called How to Get the First Date and the Second Date. Also, here's something we don't talk about nearly enough. Well, heck, we don't have enough of these podcasts to talk about it nearly enough, do we? But... If you go to www.scottandemily.com, and that's with one T, scottandemily.com, you'll find a site that's just for people who are in committed relationships, because I know more and more of you who are listening to this podcast are people who are already in relationships. Some of you are married, um, you're of all ages, and of course, a lot of you are still looking for the right person or dating around having fun. doesn't matter. You're welcome to listen. We're glad you're here. Go to www.deservewhatyouwant.com and get on our email newsletter, or go to www.scottandemily.com and get on the email newsletter we have for couples. Another thing I want to talk about is Facebook. Okay. If you're on Facebook, I want to go ahead and point you to our page. Go ahead and like our page, and you're going to get special reports and insights that nobody gets anywhere else. You're going to hear about these podcasts before anybody else does. I'll be giving special freebies to people on the Facebook page that nobody else gets. Yeah, you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that. You want to go to www.facebook.com front slash Scott and Emily. Once again, it's just like scottandemily.com, one T. And uh, go ahead and like that page, and when you do, you'll get access to a lot of cool stuff. won't cost you a dime. Nope, it's free. Great stuff. So um, I tell you what, this has been a pretty good show. It is. It's been fun. Well, we're going to do... Hasn't even been work. Hasn't even been work. Man, the 40 minutes have just flown by. Great insight. Good point there. <laughs> Thank you. So until we talk at you again on episode number 47 of X and Y on the Fly, my name's Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. Be good out there. And have fun. You've been listening to the X and Y on the Fly dating podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisperer, Dating Cast, an online dating profile rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun. <laughs>